episode 47 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to figure out that your best friend has been blatantly lying to you for the past 30 minutes. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about social deduction games. First, we discuss some games we've played recently, like Dinosaur Island, Castell, and Growl. Then we talk about what a social deduction game is, how you can get new people into the genre, and what social deduction games we like. Finally, we wrap things up with a look at the etymology of the word deduce. And now, here are your hosts, Ambie and Crystal. A couple of weeks ago, we had our second annual BlitzCon, our convention in the Bay Area, (laughs) and it was a lot of fun. Um, We're planning on doing a live stream this weekend to talk about it at length. Uh, Check our social media pages, Twitter and Instagram for the exact time because we haven't scheduled yet. But thank you to everyone who came, all our patrons and listeners and everyone else who came to the event and said hi to us and played games with us. Yes, thank (laughs) you. It was so much fun getting to meet some of our listeners and some of our patrons and Mm -hmm. we we loved it. (laughs) Yeah. So then that was two weeks ago, but in two weeks... Uh, we're also going to be at MeepleCon in Las Vegas, <laughs> which is so exciting. So if you are going to be at MeepleCon, let us know. Tweet at us on Twitter, post on Facebook. If you're one of our patrons, put you know put in something in our Slack channel. Let us know because we would love to meet up with any of our listeners or patrons who will be there. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be playing lots of games. I personally will be a little bit busier at MeepleCon since I help run that event. So I have to actually do some work as well. But I'll have plenty <laughs> of time to play games. And we're potentially trying to get something together with some of the other content creators who are going to be there. Uh, The Murph Brothers, specifically from LA, and Meeple Overboard, another board game podcast that's awesome, who are local here to Las Vegas. So no promises there, but we're going to try and get something fun together with them. So definitely come say hi if you're going to be there. I got to play a lot of games at BlitzCon. But my favorite new-to-me game was Dinosaur Island. This is a 2017 game. It's for one to four players, and it says it's 90 to 120 minutes on BGG. We we had a learning game of four players that took about two hours, so I guess that time seems right. Dinosaur Island is designed by Jonathan Gilmore and Brian Lewis and published by Pandasaurus Games. So this game is basically Jurassic Park, the board game. If you've heard about it, you've probably heard it described that way, but you're making a theme park for dinosaurs. Or no, you're making a dinosaur theme park <laughs> for regular people. <laughs> that would be really fun too, though, to make a theme park for dinosaurs. Yes. And like, what if there were people in cages? Would that oh, be gosh. like... <laughs> I'm sorry, we've gone off the rails. Anyway, Go. no, yeah. So there's, it's a Euro game. It's basically the type of game I really like, a thematic Euro game with lots of planning. So I really enjoyed this game. So there are four phases in Dinosaur Island. The first phase, you're collecting DNA and collecting dinosaur uh, recipes or something. You need to know what DNA is needed for each dinosaur, so you research them. And then the second phase, you buy different things like roller coasters or lab upgrades for your lab. And then the third phase, you're doing actions on your little sheet to build dinosaurs. Or it's not really building, it's creating dinosaurs, I guess. But to create a dinosaur, you need the right DNA, and then you use that DNA, and then you get a dinosaur. And then in the fourth phase, visitors come. But what's really cool is dinosaurs add excitement to your park, 
and that's what gets visitors to come because they want to see the dinosaurs. But you also have to have high security because dinosaurs can eat people. <laughs> so if your security is too low, then the visitors will come to the park and you'll get their money. But then the dinosaurs will eat them and <laughs> you won't get points because the points are from like visitors being happy. <laughs> so this is proof that money isn't everything <laughs> yeah so i thought that was really thematic because you get their money because they come into the park but then uh they get eaten <laughs> but it, it was a really fun game and toby and i both had different strategies like toby had a bunch of restaurants in his park because he likes food and i th there's like a bunch of objectives that you want to go for too and so i was looking for that because they worked together one of the objectives was having a bunch of DNA, and then another one was building a bunch of dinosaurs at the same time. So I basically hoarded all my DNA at the beginning, and then built all my dinosaurs at the same time. Uh, and then and then I had a big carnivorous dinosaur park at the end, where they ate some visitors. <laughs> but we both had completely different parks, and then similar scores. So I like how there's different things you can do and still get competitive scores. But yeah, Dinosaur Island was very fun. I've definitely been intrigued by this one. <laughs> yeah. I also played the deluxe edition, which has like really nice metal coins and the little dinosaur meeples are shaped differently for each dinosaur. I think in the regular version, there's just one dinosaur meeple shape. So it's not as cool, but I think the gameplay is the same. <laughs> See, and I feel like I would want the different dinosaurs, but w with a game like this, even if yeah. it looks amazing and it sounds fun for me, since it is Euro-ish, there's, you know, always that risk that maybe it won't like resonate with me as well. So mm -hmm. I didn't want to back it on Kickstarter because I've made that yeah. mistake in the past. But now, like, if I play it and love it, it'll be a bummer <laughs> if I can't get the cool stuff. So Maybe you'll be able to get upgrades somewhere later. That's <laughs> like true. Or Meeple somebody could be or something or someone might sell their deluxe copy. Yeah. And I haven't even played it yet. But I just <laughs> I, the more I hear about it, the more I think I really will like it. Mm -hmm. So that's very cool. Well, interestingly enough, I guess technically I'm also talking about a thematic Euro game because, <laughs> yeah, that's what I played. Um, so at BlitzCon, I had the pleasure of getting to be taught a game by that game's designer, which is one of my favorite things ever, basically, in board games. Like, getting to be taught a game by the person who designed it not only guarantees that you're learning the rules correctly, which is an issue I've discussed it on the show before that I sometimes struggle with, but it, I don't know, I like getting to see someone, you know, tell you about their baby, so to speak, <laughs> like the thing that they love, and them sharing it with you. So, I guess I should actually say what it is. Uh, the game is Castel. It is for two to four players, designed by Aaron Vanderbeek and published by Renegade Game Studios. And I know I'm a broken record at this point, but oh my goodness, <laughs> Renegade Game Studios can do no wrong. Like, I, if there was, if they were publicly traded, I would buy stock in that company because <laughs> I, like, everything they put out, I just love. So this game literally just released a week ago to the public in retail. Uh, Castel is about the Catalan tradition of building human towers, which if you aren't familiar with what that is, go on YouTube and look it up because I've now actually kind of, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole watching videos of this. It is fascinating. Like they literally build towers of people like 10 levels high with these little like four and five year olds at the top. And they do a lot to like make sure everybody's safe, but it's still scary and 
Okay. In the game, <laughs> the players are tre- cre- attempting to create the most successful team of castellers, the people that form those towers, to earn the most victory points. And what you do is you recruit new castellers to your team, you train different aspects of your team, so like how wide your tower can be, or if you have good balance or strength, which will change the ways your tower can be built in interesting ways. And then you take your team and you perform at festivals all across the map, which is a like a board you move around. And there's also local shows you can put on during the course of the game as well. And by building a better tower, you score more points. And what's interesting is for the festivals, only your best score will get you any points at the end of the game. So like if you perform at one festival and get a score of say 12, and then you perform at another festival and get a score of 15, now your base score is 15. All the other points you earn through other stuff in the game will add on to that, but each festival, it doesn't stack on top of one another. It's just your best score. The game combines elements of set collection, pattern building, and a lot of very interesting short and long-term strategic decisions. So it is really, at its heart, a very Euro game, but the the theme and the mechanics blend together so seamlessly, and I fell in love with it instantly. Like, as Aaron was teaching and then playing with us, I was trying not to, like, embarrass myself by, like, (laughs) telling him how good the game was, which I'm sure he wants to hear, and I definitely didn't hold that in entirely, but, like... I wanted to, like, steal his copy of the game and take it with me. Luckily, I've bought my own now. Uh, But, like, I cared about my team of Castellers. They're these little cardboard chips. But, like, when I couldn't fit someone in the tower because, you know, I didn't have the right balance or strength or something else, like, I felt bad having to leave some of my people out of the tower, which is weird and interesting. I, I loved it. Like a lot of games that I've talked about in the past, the mechanics are really quite simple to learn, but the strategy is very nuanced and deep. And there's a lot of uh, variability in the setup in which cities have have festivals win and what the requirements for those festivals will be, like which types of castellers you need in your tower. So no games are going to be exactly the same. I love it. I love it. I love it. Ambi, you will love this game as well if you get yeah. a chance to play it. <laughs> it sounds cool. I want to try it. It's also really cool like when you learn something because of a game, like the whole Castell thing. Yeah, I had looking it up and <laughs> I will admit I had never heard of this before yeah, and oh, it's so neat. I love it. Aaron, if I don't think you listen to our show, but if you do, <laughs> thank you so much for teaching it to me. Thank you for designing this game. This is Aaron's first game is what I was told. Like his first yeah. design. He won the cardboard Edison award for it. And then Renegade picked it up. I was blown away that this is his first game. It's so polished. So uh, anything else, Aaron, that you design, I want in. I want to know what it is because you you clearly are a very talented person. So sorry, I got a little bit excited. I love this game so much. That is Castell from Renegade Game Studios. Another game that we both got to play together at BlitzCon is Growl. We got a really nice email from Joey Vigor, the designer of Growl, asking if we wanted to try it out. So he sent us some prototype copies. Growl is a quick social deduction game that's coming out on Kickstarter at near the end of this month, I think, where there's werewolves and villagers. And uh, the werewolves are trying to turn everyone into werewolves, and the villagers are trying to keep at least one human alive. And it, it works by you have these cards that have different things like bites and wounds, and you pass them around the table. And if anyone ever has three bites at once, then they're a werewolf. So 
eventually a lot of people become werewolves, but you don't know who's a werewolf. And at the end of the game, the way you figure out who a werewolf is, is the wolf zero, who is who started out a werewolf at the beginning, starts growling. And then everyone else who's a werewolf starts growling. And if there's someone who's not growling, then they're a human. <laughs> Which we, we honestly, at first, we were kind of like, okay, this kind of seems like a gimmick. But it was surprisingly fun. Yeah. Because, A, first you were like, okay, so who was wolf zero? Who started this thing? Yeah. So they start growling. But then all of a sudden, everybody else is growling, except that one person who stayed a human or whatever yeah Yeah. so we played it a couple of times yeah i I really enjoyed it because it's it's very simple and it feels different than different yeah yeah because when we looked at it we were like okay another you know werewolf human game there are quite a few of those Mm -hmm. now but this one does feel unique especially based on like the cards because i think a lot of the werewolf games that exist currently you kind of deal stuff out at the beginning of the game and then the rest of it is the interaction but in this game you actually have a deck of cards and you have to uh, take turns giving cards to other players throughout Mm -hmm. the course of the game and if like a bite card comes up everybody sees that somebody's about to get a bite card and it's like if they're a werewolf then you're giving them more ammo to turn other people into werewolves Mm -hmm. and if they're a human you're potentially turning them into a werewolf. So there's yeah. a lot of interesting decisions to be made. Yeah, and at night you pass cards to the people on your left and right. And so if you get past a bite, then you know there's a werewolf next to you, but you don't know which one because you shuffle up the cards. Yeah, because um, only werewolves are allowed yeah. to pass bites. So if you're yeah. still human and you get two bite cards, you can't pass those off <laughs> and one more bite will turn you into yeah. a werewolf. But then you're a werewolf. <laughs> and I mean, but this is a pretty, people. These are pretty good odds, though, because I feel like in real life, if you got bitten by two different werewolves and you still <laughs> hadn't turned into a werewolf, like you should buy a lottery ticket. Really? Yeah. In, in real life, would you get bitten by a werewolf? <laughs> Come on, don't. This is, uh, very legit. Michael J. Fox, Teen Wolf, all that. It's definitely a thing. <laughs> but yeah, it's also fun, like turning into a werewolf and then you don't know who's a werewolf or not. And you think, oh, this person had a lot of bites, so they could be a werewolf. But there are also cards that cancel out the bites. So you don't know if they had that in time to oh, not yeah, be a werewolf. Yeah, because like, <laughs> if they have like a hand of like eight cards and you know that they've been past two bites, but they might have like two of the cards or three of the cards that cancel out bites. So then they might still be completely human. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I really liked this. And it's it only takes like... 10 to 15 10, minutes to play yeah. and it was pretty easy to teach and I feel like there's um a lower barrier for entry than some of the other social deduction games especially the werewolf based ones like even one night ultimate werewolf which is light we're going to talk about mm-hmm. it in our thematic segment here in a little bit um you kind of have to know how to lie in that game to do it well like you need to yeah. know oh what other roles you should pretend to be if you don't want to be your own role where in, in yes. this game you don't really need to pretend to be much of anything you can yeah. just be like no i'm human or yeah i'm not a werewolf and that's it so yeah yeah i like how in growl there's only two roles so there's not as much to keep track of as in other social deduction games where there's a bunch of roles and a bunch of victory conditions here it's either human or werewolf yeah, this one actually feels like it would probably be good with kids, like not really young kids, obviously, but older kids. I think this one would be fun with like a family. Mm-hmm. And the player count, it's from for four to four. seven players. So it's a smaller player count than a lot of other social deduction games. We didn't end up playing it with four. And I feel mm-hmm. like it probably shines best in like the five to six player range, maybe seven as well. Uh, we played it with six both times. Yeah. So 
But that felt like a good player count, mm-hmm. generally. So, uh, yeah. So thank you, Joey, for sending us a copy of the game. We are definitely going to be keeping our eyes out on Kickstarter at the end of the month uh, for when this one hits. And we definitely think people, if you're a fan of social deduction games and you want a tiny one that you can throw into your quiver or wherever else and take to cons with you for, you know, a quick little game in between other larger games, you should definitely give a look at Growl. So for our thematic discussion this week, we, since we were talking about growl already, we kind of wanted to stick to that and talk about social deduction games as a whole. And just a little bit about our thoughts on the genre and what games we like. And I think I wanted to define what a social deduction game is first for people who aren't familiar. And I found on a Board Game Geek geek list a quote that is attributed to Ted Allspock, who most people know from a lot of the werewolf games. So I don't actually know that Ted said this, but it was attributed to him. The quote is, a social deduction game is a game where the goal is dependent on figuring out information that isn't readily apparent and that involves discussion among players as one of the mechanics. And I think that's a pretty solid description. Yeah, I think that's a good description. And social deduction games, I think, range a lot in the amount of deduction and social parts they have. For example, uh, one of my favorite games is The Resistance Avalon. That has more deduction, I think, because there's definite information that you have and you know. Whereas games like One Night Ultimate Werewolf, where things are changing and it's just people saying a bunch of stuff and you're not sure if anything is true is more social because you're more focused on reading the players than having like tangible information. So there's a lot, a big range of social deduction games, I think. And I think social deduction is a genre that kind of gets lumped in with some other genres. When I was looking up lists of social deduction games, I actually saw a few hidden trader games in those mm. lists. And while I do think that there are elements of social deduction in hidden trader games, I don't consider them to be the same genre, only because I feel like in most social deduction games, you win via the social deduction. Like that mm. if you can if you can deduce or talk to people in the right way and get the right information, that is how you can generally win the game. Whereas in a hidden trader game like Dead of Winter or Battlestar Galactica, there's the mention for this episode, haven't done that in a while, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) then like you can deduce who the trader is or who the Cylon is, and they can even out themselves, and that doesn't Mm -hmm. actually win you the game. That information might help you do better, but it won't win the game for you. You still have to actually play the game that's on top of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So another thing is like a lot of social deduction games tend to be shorter than hidden trader games because that's true. of that, I think. Yeah, for sure. So w- you and I have both stated that we like social deduction games. What What's your favorite part about social deduction games? So I like... I like regular deduction games too, if you didn't notice, but I, so I really like figuring out who the bad guy is from the different clues I get, but I also like fooling people when I'm the bad guy. Um, (laughs) I'm the same way. (laughs) So in high school, I used to play Mafia a lot, which is the uh, generic version of Werewolf, where you just play with 
uh, playing cards. So I had a really amazing game in high school when I was I was the mafia and I had fooled someone by voting like against another mafia player. So people thought I was good and one third person like convinced everyone that I was good and then I killed him. And then the detective, who is a person that can investigate people to see if they're the bad person, believed me so much without investigating me that she told me who she investigated and that she was the detective. <laughs> oh my and then gosh. I killed her. And so, so yeah, that was amazing because like throughout to the end of the game, people thought I was good and then I won. <laughs> That is really cool. I've had similar experiences. Uh, my husband is used to be a professional poker player, so he's really good at reading people. And obviously he knows me really well, so he often can read me really well. And there have been a couple of instances where we've played games like The Resistance, and I've completely pulled one over on him. And <laughs> nice. oh, it is the best. <laughs> like, he'll be so sure I'm good or bad or whatever. Like, I'm on his team or I'm not on his team. And if I can fool him, it is just the best. <laughs> I think that that thrill is great for a lot of people. But I also think that the fear of not being able to lie effectively kind of mm-hmm keep some people from trying out social deduction games and for good reason yeah. like there is definitely you know some pressure there especially if you're on a team like oh no am I gonna am I gonna ruin this for my team mm-hmm. and I think that's why a game like growl is kind of neat because it lowers the barrier to entry yeah and another one that I think is really good for people who don't like lying is deception murder in Hong Kong oh yeah uh, I think we've mentioned before because I think we told Cassidy that she should play it because she doesn't like social deduction games as much. But um, yeah, in in that one, you don't actually have to lie as much because you're trying, there's one person like trying to show people who the murderer is and you can just be guessing other things. And even if people know that you're the murderer, they still need to figure out which items of yours are um, the, the murder, murder weapon weapons. And the clue. Yeah. yeah. I actually, and I kind of got some flack from this from a, from some hardcore gamers at one point, but I've played a variant of Deception Murder at Hong Kong that my friends and I made up that even lowers the barrier to entry more. And what we did, because so there was um, there was somebody in our group who was worried that they would give it away if they were the murderer. Like they were really worried that they would be acting in such a way that everybody would know instantly. And so we said, okay, let's play where no one knows if they're the murderer or not. So we still dealt out the cards and the private investigator, like we did that first. And then we dealt out the rest of them and everyone closed their eyes and the private investigator looked at everyone's cards. So they knew who the murderer was, but the murderer didn't know who they were. And it made it really interesting. And we played it a couple times like that. And one of the times I ended up being the murderer. But like, so the the investigator's giving out clues. And about halfway through, I think I was like, I figured out, I was like, oh gosh, I think I'm the murderer. <laughs> but I didn't know for sure. Uh And it it was interesting because in my head, I'm thinking, oh, man, it could be this and this. Like, because I had picked my cards, you know, in case I was the murderer, he had everyone pick cards. But I didn't know for sure. And so I'm looking at other people's stuff and I'm like, oh, man, I'm the murderer. I'm the murderer. But it like it allowed me to ease my way into it. And I'm not afraid of that situation, but I know some people are. So, yeah, I I think that's an interesting variant, although I don't know if that if it's still considered a social deduction game, if you don't know. Probably not. At that point, it's probably (laughs) pure deduction. Yeah. Um, 
Unless, I don't know, unless you're trying to read the intentions of the investigator, because when they're giving you clues, they're mm-hmm. those the information on those cards isn't perfect. They're giving you yeah. kind of vague stuff. So I think you do have to read into at least some of the information you're being given. So I think there's still a, a slight aspect of socialness there. And you're yeah. talking to other people. I mean, and... there's, there's socialness in everything. <laughs> I mean, but... <laughs> it's not like we're all sitting there silently. <laughs> So other than deception, do you think there are any good social deduction games for people who are new to the genre or want to try it out but might be a little hesitant? So another recent game that I think is good is Werewords, which is like 20 questions but with werewolves. So one person knows what the what the uh, hidden word is but doesn't want everyone to guess it. And that person could be the person giving the clues, but it could be someone else too. And... I think that one's also easier for people because people are generally familiar with 20 questions and just asking questions to figure out something. And it's easier to hide when you're just focusing on that instead of focusing on asking someone if they're a werewolf. So it's yeah. like a, there's something else to do. The app for werewords is also really good. Yeah. Has a lot of words. <laughs> lots and lots of words. <laughs> for sure. I think to, assuming that you've got like the right people running it. I think two rooms and a boom, mm. as far as the like really big party style deduction games can be approachable to new people, but it, it's very yeah. dependent on what roles are included. Yeah. Because some of the roles are a lot harder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it also needs a lot of people to be playing. Yeah. Like so, we played at BlitzCon last year with how many people did we have? Like some uh, more than 20. 20. Yeah. Like, 20, yeah. And I, my favorite game that we played was actually with less red and blue ro- team <laughs> roles. It was almost all gray roles. So, yeah. like, it was interesting because people weren't necessarily afraid to share who they were, which I think mm-hmm. sometimes can uh, slow down two rooms in a boom. Because if you don't want to share your card, then everybody just stands around holding their card against yeah. their chest and looking at each other. And they're like, uh. <laughs> yeah, so you definitely want roles that encourage sharing. No hot then- potato. Hot potato yeah. ruins everything. <laughs> I agree. But also, I guess the main problem with two rooms is there's so many roles that a new player might get overwhelmed with all the roles. You really only need to know what role you are, but then if yeah. you're wondering what other people could be, it could be scary. Yeah. Although you can kind of hide in the crowd in that one, too. So it's <laughs> yeah. like, just hang out, see what happens. And, you know, yeah. after a couple of games, then maybe you'll get the hang of it. So we would love to hear what your all's favorite social deduction games are, especially if you know some lesser known ones or stuff that we haven't mentioned here. And so, you know, shout at us on social media. Let us know what your favorite social deduction games are or why you do or don't like this genre of games. For this week's etymology segment, I'm going to explore the origins of the word deduce. The English verb deduce originated in the early 15th century and can be traced back to the Latin word deducere, meaning lead down or derive. In medieval Latin, the same word meant to infer logically. The Latin parts of the word can be broken down further, de meaning down and ducere meaning to lead. The meaning was originally literal, But modern interpretations sometimes lend themselves to the extrapolation of information or details that seem less obvious, kind of like Sherlock Holmes. 
It was originally meant to be used in situations where you could draw a conclusion from something already known, using logic to come to a conclusion. It still basically means that, but I feel like we use the word deduce in situations where maybe you don't have all the pieces and you're kind of filling them in with your own information. Hopefully, your new knowledge about the word deduce will help you suss out the werewolves, agents, or bad guys in your next social deduction game. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Board Game Geek Guild. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Head over to Kickstarter to check out City of Gears, a steampunk-themed area control game designed by Chris Leader and Daryl Andrews. After funding in 23 minutes, they're now smashing through lots of stretch goals. Gray Fox Games, quality games, cleverly crafted. If you're enjoying the show and want behind-the-scenes access, you can become a patron. Our patrons get access to our private Slack channel as well as other cool benefits for as little as $1 a month. Just head to patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Check out the other shows in the network by visiting dicetowernetwork.com. Until next time, are we human? Or are we werewolf? Bye, everyone! Bye! So uh, one person knows what the word is and is trying to make the other people not guess in where words and the, oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. Bye everyone. Bye. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Bye.